0: I have a word from the Lord for you specifically. I told Brother Chance, my heart is a pastor. I love the local church. My my heart in this season has allowed me to be more of an evangelist. My heart is the local body. Um, God put this sermon on my heart about two weeks ago. I haven't preached it anywhere, so if it flops, that's my fault. Um, But I believe the word will go forth and will accomplish its purpose because that's what the scripture tells us. But I feel this word is for this church. Their singing confirmed it to me because they sung along the lines of what God has laid on my heart. And so, again, thank you for being here. You can be seated. Um, I love my kids, I love my family. And um, I have a question for you. What is, um, we're going to talk and then we're going to preach and we're going to wrap it all up and come to the altar and see what God wants to do. What is a refuge? Anybody, you know, we hear a lot about refugees, but what is a refuge? Does anybody can think about a place, a safe place? It, it's a condition, according to Webster's Dictionary. It's a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, from danger, or from trouble. In May, uh, May something of 1993, I was in college, and um, actually, I was in high school. And I am from New Orleans originally. I'm from Bro Bridge, Lafayette, Louisiana. That's where I was born. I spent the majority of my life um, in the New Orleans metro area. My wife, her family's from New Orleans. They own a restaurant, a traditional 40-year-old shrimp po' boy plate. Oh, it's so good. Whew. Anyway, they've owned that. So they're from New Orleans, and, and we're all you know, raised there and live the majority of our lives and one thing about New Orleans is, if you know, it's below mm, sea level, right? <laughs> it's a brilliant idea to put people there. Um, in May 93, I was uh, at my house and it just a rainstorm came. They call it a 100 year rainstorm. And because the neighborhood I lived in, or the community I lived in, was actually a swamp, they had filled in parts of it and put homes on it. And uh, it began to flood. And I, I was in my home, Brother Chance, and I was stepping on carpet. This, it rained all afternoon and all through the night. And I would step on carpet and I would feel it squish a little bit. And then we would stand by the front door and as, as that water would rush around, it would hit the door and you would see that swamp mud kind of come through the middle of the door. And this began to just rain and rain and rain and rain and And eventually that little squishing in the carpet turned into me, not exaggerating, pushing the carpet down as I walked, as it floated in the house. Water up to almost my knee uh, got into our home. And we couldn't get out because we live in a swamp. So there's you couldn't drive your car out. Uh, You needed to be rescued. So I'd forgot my dog outside, which is brilliant, right? And so my dog was outside dog paddling, and so I pulled him in and Realized he now smelt like a wet dog. So I brought him into my room to sleep, right? And we had an evangelist who was a good friend of mine, Shannon Stanley, from Dallas now. He was with us, and we, he had a, a pull-away sofa bed. So we were going he was sleeping there, and he had all his stuff. So I was like, well, I'll just jump in your bed. We'll sleep through the night. The dog, because it stinks, can stay in my bedroom. Well, about 4 o'clock in the morning... I was awakened to a wet mattress. And this brought back some terrible memories. (laughs) Like, how did this happen at 18 years old? And so what had happened is the water had seeped up through the mattress and filled the entire mattress with water. So we got up, moved the dog over, and put the dog on the wet mattress, and then we went into the other room where it was a higher bed. This happened all night. Water rising Uh, swamp, nasty, stinky swamp water. And in fact, we needed a safe place because we could not stay in that house any longer come 8 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. And they literally drove up to my door, front door, on a boat, picked my family up, and we exited our neighborhood on a flat-bottom boat because we needed a refuge. We needed a place of safety. We couldn't sleep there. Um, I was also alive and and living in New Orleans when Katrina hit. Anybody ever heard of Katrina? And um, it was one of the weirdest things. Uh, When I got back in, I got back in about two weeks after Katrina because I was doing some work with hospitals. So they allowed me to come in early to do some work um, just to see army men and helicopters and planes and military vehicles all around your city, which was so Unique. But I remember us as a family, we needed a place. We couldn't stay there anymore because we knew it was going to be such a bad storm. We knew we had to get out. Uh, we didn't know where to go. So what we did, Brother Chance, is my family packed up about 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and we left New Orleans, and we drove to Tioga, Louisiana, The good old-fashioned Louisiana campgrounds, and we parked ourselves there, and people allowed us to stay in cabins and homes and places. And we spent about two months up there because we needed a safe place. We needed somewhere that we could go that we could find safety. About three years ago, me and my wife went through a transitional period in our lives. And it was a very dramatic moment. And one day, if the Lord allows us to come back or whatever, we'll maybe can tell you that story. But it was a a tragic instance and a very... Uh, emotional time in our family. And we needed a refuge. We needed a place that we could come and be safe. And Pastor Anthony Mangan from the Pentecostals of Alexander called me up and he said, Derek, I want you and your wife to come here and you're going to find a place of safety. And can I just pause before we get into the word and tell you, and I believe you are, but please be a church where people can be safe. We struggle in this, in the apostolic world. Everybody, look at your neighbor and say everybody, is broken. Everybody is hurting. Everybody has trials. Everybody has struggles. From the pulpit to the pew, from outside the building, inside the building. And we need to be a place where people can come and find a refuge. They can come And they can be open, and they can be honest, and they can be hurting, and they won't find judgmentalism. They will find love and compassion, because that is what the church is all about. Ninety-eight different times in the Scripture we see the word refuge appears. When the Bible describes God as our refuge, it is saying that God is our safe place. When we need protection from something, God is where we can run to. And knowing this, knowing that God is our refuge, it enables us to trust Him even more freely. Let me tell you, there is no situation that you will ever face that is out of God's control. He is never surprised. He is never taken aback. He is never overwhelmed by what you are going to. So the best place you can be is in the arms of Jesus Christ. I've never understood when, when when things go bad, why do people walk out? When things get hard, you get closer to God. Because they're still going to be hard out there. They might as well, when they're hard, be hard in here where you can walk in hand in hand with God. Do you know, life gets hard. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. The Bible says the storm, the storm comes against those that have built their house on the rock. And those that have built their house on the sand. The storm still comes. The Bible says in Isaiah that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? But it doesn't say that a weapon won't be formed. It just won't prosper. And if you've ever expected to go through life without any difficulties, then you have come... And when you, once you get into church, everything's going to be easy and you're going to skip through the valleys and just sing songs and it's all going to be great and pretty. Then you're going to be sadly mistaken by the reality of life. Trials and tribulations are a part of life. You can look at the book of Psalms and you'll see it. You see attacks from the giants of despair, attacks of doubt in the psalmist's own heart, attacks of lies being spread about them. Attacks of prominent, proud, and wicked men. Attacks of strongholds that overwhelm them. Attacks of stilling silence that provoke them. Attacks from fears that paralyze their faith, these writers in Psalms. Attacks of dryness that choke their prayer and their worship. Attacks of sickness that flatten their energy. Attacks of barbaric and uncouth spirits. It's just part of life. Life can be hard. I don't know about you, but I can personally, I'm 41. I made 41 this year. I can personally, the last couple of years, there have been times and moments in my life, and I'll be honest and transparent, and I may never be back, and that's fine. I will be honest. There have been times in my life in the last couple of years where the only thing I could do was crawl up in my bed and cry. There was so much shame and so much hurt and so much pain because the reality is we all are broken. We all hurt. We all fall. But it's really about our response that speaks volumes to what's in us. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but what does he do? Do we get up or do we stay down? I've told the church in New Orleans for years, there's a difference between a sinner and a saint. A sinner stays down and a saint just keeps getting back up. Do we stay bitter or do we get better? Do we stay angry or do we choose life? Do we post that or do we pray about that? As life gets hard, the human nature and the human tendency is to what? Run and hide. So my background Is in technology. And um, do y'all remember anything called Y2K? All right. Probably one of the biggest scams in in North American history. All right. And um, it blessed me. I was hired by a technology company from the New Orleans area. Do y'all remember Hibernia? Was Hibernia up here? Now Capital One. Okay. I remember I was hired by a company to replace, along with not just me, with a team of us, to replace every single computer in Hibernia across Louisiana and those that were in Texas and those that were in Tex Arcana. We had to go to every every single branch and put a new computer so that it could have four digits when it rolled over to two thousand so it wouldn't think it was nineteen hundred and everybody would lose all their money, right? But do you remember a lot of what happened in Y2K? Everybody was, you know, people were selling everything and moving to the mountains. Y'all remember that? I mean, you did, and obviously because you're still here. (laughs) Unless you recovered well. Good job. So they would say, because that's the human tendency, Colton, is to, when things get hard, we want to run and hide. Now, I remember hearing this, 1988. 88 reasons God was coming in 88. And I knew, I've heard of whole churches that sold everything. The whole church sold everything and then moved into, like, the woods. Because that's the human tendency, is that when things get difficult, we want to run. We want to leave. That's why when, when life gets hard in the church, we don't understand it. God, I, I got the Holy Ghost, I've been baptized, you know, things are supposed to get better, and it gets worse. Have you ever read Paul? Have you ever read the Apostle Paul? He got a salvation experience on the road to Damascus, and then the rest of his life he was beaten in prison. <laughs> and we wonder, why is it not better? Because our human tendency is just to run. To run to things we can control, things that we can manipulate, things that we can handle. We run to our jobs, we run to our hobbies, we run to our flesh, we run to the things that we feel that we can control. But God offers us a better way. He says we can run to Him. When tempted to flee the pressures of life, the Scripture calls us to hide ourselves in God. Only God can offer true refuge from life's dangers and from the misery of the sin that comes against us regularly. I know the pain is real. If I could, I would tell I, we could sit down. I told someone I'm going to write a book one day. It may not be good, but I'll try it. But I know pain is real. I know I know what it, I said, crawl up in a bed and the only thing you want to do is cry yourself to sleep. I know that pain is real. I know that sin is overwhelming. I know the situation that you are dealing with is filled with hurt and regret. But instead of running to our flesh and instead of running to what we can control, God stands here on this Sunday morning with nail-scarred hands and He says that he said in Matthew 11 and 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come all, not just some of you, not when you get it fixed up, not when you make it better. He says, come all that are hurting. Come all that are broken. Come all that need an answer. Come all. (laughs) Psalms 91, we will read. It's one of the most comforting scriptures. chapters in the Bible. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of good scriptures in the word of the Lord. (laughs) All of them. Psalms 91 describes the security that you and I as believers can enjoy through our faith in God. Does anybody know who John Bunyan is? Very few people know. That's pretty awesome. Few people know. Let me tell you who he was. He was born in England in 1628. He received little schooling but became a deacon in a Baptist church when he was 27 years old and immediately saw success as a preacher. Because at that time it was illegal to preach without a license from the government and Bunyan belonged to an illegal denomination, he spent a total of 12 years in prison before dying at the age of 60. John Bunyan wrote his most famous book, And it was called The Pilgrim's Progress. And he wrote it while in prison. And it's an allegory meant to illustrate the difficulties that we face as Christians. The Pilgrim's Progress, for the chance, it tells a story of a man named Christian. He is on his way to the celestial city, or what we would know as heaven. And in his travels, Christian and his companion they are captured by a giant named Despair. And he locks them away in a castle called Doubting Castle. The story says the giant starves his prisoners and he beats them every day, trying to make Christian and hopeful, who was his companion, commit suicide and give up on their journey. The story says that as they are being beaten and they are in this castle of despair, locked up in these chains. And this giant is, is hurting them. And they've lost all hope. And they're about to give up. The story says that Christian begins to realize and feel that something is in his pocket. He's overwhelmed by discouragement and doubt. And he's about to give up. And he feels that there is something in his pocket. And the story says... There is a key in his pocket and he fills this key in his pocket and he reaches in and he pulls this key out. And the story says that he looks at this key and the key is called promise. And he takes that key and he puts it on the chains of doubt and despair and he unlocks those chains and the story says they escaped the giant they escaped the castle and in this story Bunyan is reminding us that though we may be in prison with doubt and fear and worry and discouragement and the devil wants you to give up you have a key called promise who can catch I know life can get hard trust me we can have those discussions at a later day and I know hope can almost be lost but we have a key called promise and Psalms 91 it gives us some promises that we can use to unlock our circumstance and our situation and that's what I want to share with you today before we go home number one is in Psalms 91 in verse 1 he who dwells everybody say dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Look at verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. There's a promise you have, and it's called the promise of the presence of God. His presence changes everything. He that dwells in the secret place at the simple mention of the name of Jesus. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You don't have to have all the scriptures memorized. You don't have to know what's coming next. All you've got to know is Jesus. And when you mention Jesus at his presence, everything changes. When you dwell in him... You can make it. Paul was changed at the presence of God. He went from Saul the persecutor to Paul the preacher. The woman with the issue of blood had tried everything. But when she got one moment with Jesus, it changed everything. The blind man yelled out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And his life was forever changed. The lame man at the pool, one moment with Jesus. The promise for you today in the chaos of this life is that one moment in his presence, miracles can happen here. One moment in his presence can change any situation, any circumstance, and any Person. I want you to believe that because I feel that it's for you. One moment in His presence, miracles can happen here. You can be healed. You can be delivered. Your family can be put back together. Your kids can come back home. Nothing is too hard for my God. And today is your day. I believe this. It's a chance. If Israel was marching around, I'm not going to throw it at you. You have a key. You have a key. You have a key. One moment in His presence. If Israel would have stopped marching around the walls of Jericho, they would have never fell. And I'm sure somebody was marching. If you've ever watched VeggieTales, they were making fun of them. None of y'all watch VeggieTales? Few. Okay. And uh, I'm sure somebody was saying, you know, this is silly. Why don't we stop this? Why do we keep coming to church? Why do I keep asking God to pray? Why do I keep asking God for this? Why do I keep praying about this situation? It just doesn't seem to get any better. But your commitment to be here today, one more time, one more worship service, one more time to praise, one more request to God. One more chance to get into His presence. One more chance to boldly bring your petition before Him. This could be your day because you have a promise and that is the presence of God. The second promise is God's protection. Look at your neighbor and say protection. Psalms 91 and 2. 91 verse 2 and 3, sorry, says this. Surely... Everybody say surely. Not maybe. Not possibly. But surely. He will deliver you from the snares of the fowler. Not maybe. Let me tell you something. If the enemy could have destroyed you, he would have already done it. If he could have ruined your marriage, he would have already done it. If he could have hurt your kids, he would have already done it. If he could destroy this church, he would have already done it. But guess what? You're still here. Come on, you're still here. I'm losing my voice. Hold on. Why don't we worship God? I hate sinuses. I've been dealing with them. If he could have destroyed this church, he would have already done it. The greatest testimony, guys, is that you are still here. You're still worshiping. You're still loving God. You're still praising. You're still trusting God. You're still coming to church. God is on your side, and God is protecting you. And that is a promise you can hold on to. Oh, don't hit you. It's a promise. God's protecting you. Do you believe that? God, surely he will deliver you from all the snares of the enemy. Not some of them, but all of them. His presence, his protection, and the third one is found in verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of destruction that lays waste at noonday. The third promise is God's peace. I'm going to hurt somebody. (laughs) Guys, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. The enemy, the opposite of fear, is God's peace. I won't fear the terror. I won't fear the arrow. I won't fear the pestilence. I won't fear the destruction. I will trust Him at all times. All times. One moment in the presence of God. The promise of God's protection. Surely he will deliver you. If the devil could have took you out, guess what? He would have took you out. And the promise of God's peace. Nahum 1 and 7 says the Lord is good. Everybody say good. Good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And this is what I want you to get. And he, everybody say he, knows those who Trust you. He knows you. He knows the you that you don't want anybody else to know. He knows the you that is not the one you put on social media. Right? I think it's funny. We'll take pictures of our kids at Easter. I've got two kids. Me and my wife will sit there and we'll take a picture of Easter. Snap it. We'll snap. 70 pictures. And 60 of those are me threatening my kids. If you don't smile and act like you love Jesus, (laughs) if you don't look happy, Look happy or I'm going to whip you. And and we'll get one picture. And we'll put that one picture on Facebook. Look at our family. Happy Easter. There's a promise of peace. Some of us, we we can't sleep at night. We have no peace. Because we're just so consumed. But God knows you. He knows you. He knows right where you are. He knows who you are. He, the Bible says that he knows those that trust him. There's a song that says that we are fully known. In a world without empathy. Let me tell you, we live in a world, Brother Chance, without empathy we live in a world in a world full of ambition and pride where everybody is looking to take everybody out to climb the ladder to promote themselves to looking to hurt the reality is this god knows you and he loves you and you can go to bed at night and close those eyes and know that Though you may be broken sometimes and though you may struggle sometimes and though you may have your ups and your down, He knows the broken you. He knows the hurting you. He knows that you are in need of a refuge and you have a key called promise that says you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Everybody say all. When you can't, Understand it, God can give you peace. I had a situation at the church in New Orleans. I don't know if y'all read about this a couple years ago. There was a manager of a Raisin Cane's and um, she was working and this former employee was upset at the situation. I guess they had let him go and he robbed the store one day. And in doing so, he was mad at this manager, this young girl. She was in her 20s. And he beat her up and then repeatedly stabbed her and took her life. It was a big story in New Orleans. Um, The girl's uh, brother-in-law was a member of the youth department when I was the youth pastor. They were not a religious group. And he called me and said, Derek, can you do the funeral service? Because they don't have anybody else. I said, sure, I would do it. And it was a huge ordeal in that community. And I did it. And in those moments or the chance, I don't know what to tell people. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what, I don't, I don't understand why the things happen in your life that do. I don't get it. I don't know. All I know is when your faith is tested, it comes out pure as gold, and God's got a purpose for every hurt and every pain. But I did tell that family that God offers us a peace that passes our ability to even understand why I'm having peace. And when you're locked up in despair and doubt and worry and you feel like throwing in the towel, you have a key called promise and it is that God will give you peace in your storm. The next one that we find is in Psalms ninety-one 7. I'm almost done. A thousand may fall at your right side. And ten thousand at your right hand. But it won't come to you. Though the chaos is all around you. And the ungodly seem to prosper. The promise is this. That with God, you can have His perspective. You can set your affections on things above. And know that when things around you are not working the way you anticipate them, the way you think they are, Should And when you have questions, you can say, God, I've got a promise. And that promise is you have offered me your perspective. The wicked will have their reward. And because you have committed your life to him, he has committed that no evil may fall against you. Thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not affect you. My dad taught me this, and I've tried to live it. He said this, Derek, nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing good or nothing bad can happen to me unless first it goes through the hands of God. I know you see other people that have walked away from God and things look great. And you see them on Facebook, and they're happy as all get out, and you're like, "I'm over here trying to be faithful and live for God, and it's hard, and it's not working out." And and you and you get the wrong perspective. You need to set your affection on things above. David, the Bible says, he said, "I, "I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and my feet almost slipped until I got." into the house of God and my perspective changed. The promise, church, is this. In the chaos, you have a God perspective. And this is it. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Even when you don't feel like it, even when it doesn't seem like it, you've got a key called promise and that is God's working out things for good. The next key is God's provision. Look at your neighbor and say, God's provision. Instead of throwing these, Brother Chance, and I hurt somebody, we're going to let them there for an altar call. Is that okay? It says in Psalms 91 and 11, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all, everybody say, all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Let me tell you something. I don't know what you're going through because you don't, probably don't know what I'm going through. But I will, do have a promise and that is God will provide. When everybody else walks out on you, God will walk in. In fact, the Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. Oop. He stands at the door and he knocks, Right? And if any man will open, right, he will come in. The reality is this. We don't need to clean the house. We don't need to make it look right. We just need to open the door. Many of us say, well, you know, God can't can't take care of me because you don't know what I've been going through. You don't know how dirty my house is. You don't know how messed up my house is. The reality is this. God can handle your messed up house. He can handle your messed up life. He can handle your messed up circumstance. You just got to open the door. He will provide forgiveness. He will provide healing. He will provide deliverance. He will provide peace. He will provide joy. He will provide understanding. He is the God who provides. Hey, all I got to say is the devil doesn't want you to hear this sermon. I'm knocking over water. My voice is going out. The devil's trying to shut me up, but I'm going to keep preaching. My voice may crackle. It may not work the way I want. I may not feel like it's going over good, but devil, you better understand. I've come to tell this church on this Sunday morning, you've got a promise. You've got a refuge. You've got somebody that God says you may need him. He's ready. He's willing. He's able. Run to him. I've been preaching for 20 years, never knocked over water. So that, welcome to Monroe. Good to have you. See you later. But I'm trying to help because I know it helped me. We've got a key, some promises that we can hold on to. We've got God's protection, God's providence. We've got God's peace. God can take care of you. In First Kings, and we're coming to an end. First Kings 17 Elijah told the king, he said, there will be no rain until I say so, right? No rain until I say so. And then God tells Elijah, hey, go to the river and I'm going to provide water for you where there's no rain. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can take five loaves and two fishes and feed thousands. That's the promise that you have. God will provide all of your needs. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the bills look like. I don't care. if you, I mean, I do care that you may have lost your job. But the reality is God can make a way where there seems to be absolutely, positively, no way. The last thing is you have a promise. And it's called God's power. Look at your neighbor and say power. Look at verse 14 and 91. Because. Everybody say because. Because he has set his love upon me. No other reason. No other reason. Because he has set his love on me, I am blessed and I'm highly favored. (laughs) This is God we're talking about. This isn't just somebody you read in a book. This is the Almighty King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Almighty, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He can take you out of your broken, dysfunctional, frustrated, dead situation and bring it back to life. Because He has all power. Not some power, not a little bit of power, but He has all power. And because He has set His love on you, He can do anything He wants in you. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. I remember a couple years ago when our, when, when our world, our little world, was shaken. And I remember laying down in those moments where I was in the bed crying. Trying to understand God's purpose and plan and future. And this is what God showed me. I came to this conclusion. God is real. Not because I was raised in church or because I live in the Bible belt. Not God's real. Let me tell you something, God is real. He's not just something in a figment of imagination. He's not something that we just teach about, but he is real. And he's not up in heaven with a big long beard and a white stick about to strike you when you mess up. He is real and he is with you. I I had to come to grips. I was raised in church my whole life. I had to come to grips. Is this real? Is God real? And God showed up in a clear way and said, I am who I said I am. And then the second thing God showed me is that he cares about me. When nobody else cared about me, when nobody else thought it was worth continuing to fight for me, when everybody else may walk out, God said, I care about you. And I sat there and I said, God, you care about me? But I'm broken. I'm hurting. You care about me? God said, I care about you, Derek. Derek Parker, I know the number of hair on your head. I know, I know why you're laying in that bed crying. I care about you. And I said, God, why? And he said, because I set my love on you. God cares about you. And the third thing God told me, he said not only do I not only am I I am who I said I am, and not only do I care about you. He said this that I am able to do anything. He can make a way as we all stand. Where there is absolutely no way. Used to be an old song we sung that my God is more than enough. He can supply all my needs. He will be with you. He's able to bring you out of whatever you got in. And we get in some things, don't we? And some of it, we get in because we chose to get in. But there are some pits that we get in because others throw us in them. Right? There's some situations, they're none of of our own, but we got into it because of life. But God can get you out. Because you have a promise that He has the power. Because he has set his affection on you, nothing can stop you. So as Christian and hopeful were in that castle of despair, and that castle of doubt and the giant of despair was trying to choke the life out of them, they remembered they had a key called promise. And it was the promise of God's presence one moment with Him can change anything it was the promise of God's protection that He will protect you from all the harm it was the promise of God's peace that when you feel like can't go to sleep because of all the things that are going on. He will give you peace that passes all understanding. It was the promise of God's perspective. When you see the things around you and it doesn't make sense, you set your affection on things above. It's the promise of God's provision. When you don't think it will ever work out, God... Will provide. And it's the promise of God's power. There is nothing too hard for Him, there is nothing too big. The Bible says He can reach to the uttermost and pull you out. In ancient Israel, as we close, there were six cities on the chance, and they were founded as cities of refuge. They were for fleeing men who without malice or premeditation had taken the life of a fellow person. And in ancient Israel, once they were within the gates of that city of refuge, they could not be touched by any hand of vengeance or judgment. The rabbis had an interesting tradition, and that was once a year... All the roads leading to those six cities. Those rabbis would go out and make sure they were carefully repaired. And they were cleared of all obstacles and all stones. So that a man who was fleeing for his life would have no hindrance on his path to that place of refuge. Those six cities on the west side was Kadesh. Which means a sanctuary or a place of renewal. Then there was Shechem, which means shoulder or back or a place of strength. Then there was Hebron, which is associated, which means an association or a league, a place of support. On the east side was Bazaar, which means an inaccessible fortress, a place of Where the enemy cannot get to you and pursue you anymore. Ramoth, which means a lofty place. Because the church is a place that we can dwell in heavenly places. And Golan, which means an enclosure. A place where protection totally surrounds us. What God told me to tell you today. Is no matter where you are. There is a place of refuge for you. And it's right here today. This is your miracle. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. I'll be very transparent as they get ready to sing. I really wanted to do a good job today. I did. And I may not have. But I know what God told me to tell you and it's it listen i'm being transparent i'm just i'm a very honest person the devil fights and we frustrate ourselves and that happens and the word goes forth and then we have to receive it and i know it's our decision on how we choose to receive it but i am telling you if if, as, as as best as i can as i stand here today god told me to tell you there are some people that need a refuge you need a place of safety you are hurting you are frustrated You have fallen. You are struggling. Your your situation is not what you need it to be. But you have a key. And the devil is trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get our young people to quit. He's trying to get our adults to quit. He's trying to get our families to quit. It's just easier to walk away, hide, run, go away, quit doing this. But God is saying, don't give up. I am your refuge. So this may... This may be our one moment together. And so I want to open these altars. I don't know how you do it, Brother Chance. I'm going to let you do. I want to open these altars. If you're here today and you want to access the promise of God for whatever your situation, if it's just one person, I want you to come right now. God, I need your peace. I can't sleep at night. God, I need you to provide for me, God. I am so in need. God, I need your protection. I need your perspective, God. I just I don't understand why it's happening to me. Why is my family going through this? Why did I lose my job? Why am I sick in my body? And despair. And doubt. And fear. And worry. The devil wants to lock your praise up. He wants to lock your worship up. He wants to lock up your life. Church, if you would help us find somebody and pray with them. Again, I don't know how you do it around here, but help us pray with somebody. And he always guides me. Encourage your brother and sister in the Lord. Through mountains and valleys. Joy is refreshing with soy.